It is indeed a pleasure to be with you on this Lord's Day. If you have your Bibles, please take them in hand and turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Before we read, let us pray. O Lord our God, we come before you, and you are indeed holy. And you in your mercy, in the multitudes of your mercy, have brought us into your presence. We have enjoyed fellowship with one another. We have enjoyed physical nourishment. But now we ask, O Lord, that you would clear our minds Give us energy, give us wakefulness to be, able fed, to be able to be fed spiritually, Lord, to be renewed and transformed by your holy word. Transform us more, we pray, into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may in decrease and that you may increase. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be reading in the second chapter of Philippians this afternoon, and just by way of giving you what came before, before what happened, Paul is giving the Philippians an update of his ministry, and he has ended it by saying in his suffering and in prison, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We go, therefore, in chapter 2, I'm going to actually begin in chapter 1, verse 27, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. And then beginning, our, the beginning of our te- uh, text for this afternoon, verses 19 to 30. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to me, uh, to my need. Since he was longing for you all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and infallible word. Let it be a blessing to us. The Philippian church had been struggling. In their stand for the gospel, they had met with persecution, met with struggling. This had caused discouragement in their Christian walk. They were losing the joy that they once had in Christ, in in their life with Christ. There was disunity among certain groups we see in chapter 4. And so Paul sends them this letter to exhort them and motivate them in their joy in living for Christ 
by showing them in chapter 1 how that his suffering had advanced the gospel. His suffering had given Paul great joy because the gospel had been going out into all of the Roman world. Even if it killed him, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Well, Paul then continues in chapter 2 to show them how he can have such joy in the midst of suffering. If you know anything about this book of the letter of Philippians, and I would encourage you if you do not to read it, at the end, Paul says, I am content. He was in prison. How could he be content? He had something. What did he have? He had the mind of Christ. Verse 5 of chapter 2, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. What was the mind of Christ? That Christ, who is God Almighty, took upon himself the form of a servant and made himself nothing, died a cursed death, fulfilling the law, fulfilling divine justice, so that we could be restored to fellowship with God. And because of this great grace, symbolized in what we partook here of this morning, Paul shows in verses 12 to 18 that Christ is in you. He is in us. He has worked in you salvation. Therefore, the implications as we carry on in verse 12 to 8 as I read, We are to live wholeheartedly for Christ, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. To live wholeheartedly for Christ, for Christ, who, as we see in the book of Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured what? Suffering. Paul is an example of this in verse 17. For the joy of seeing the Philippians live wholeheartedly for the Lord Jesus Christ, he would be happy to die, to have his life poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of their faith. Well, now Paul would have been there in Philippi himself to encourage them on in this walk, live for Christ, be full of joy, But he cannot. He is in prison in Rome. And so Paul makes plans, trusting in the Lord, to send two Christ-like examples to encourage them in the faith, in their calling and joy for Christ. In verse 19 to 30, we see these two men in whom salvation has been worked out into their characters. Timothy and Epaphroditus are two such examples. And I will begin, firstly, let's look at Timothy, and then secondly, Epaphroditus. Well, why Timothy? Well, for one, he was Paul's partner in ministry. He was with Paul through through a lot of his journeys. But also because of what we read in verse 20. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Timothy, like Paul, loved the Philippians. Paul, in chapter 4, verse 1, 
calls the Philippians his crown and joy. That's very high praise. Paul, Timothy, like Paul, loved them. He shared the same concern and desire for the Philippians. He shared the same concern to see them grow in the faith. He was also unwilling to pour his life out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of their faith. He gave himself to God's work. Paul says of Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, You, Timothy, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Timothy was an example of someone who heard the truth, believed it by the power of the Holy Spirit, put into practice the salvation that Christ worked in him, and his goal became to pursue Christ with all his heart. Paul says, Philippians, you want to see an example of Christ in you? Look at my follower, Timothy. His goal was to seek the things of Christ. And part of what was Christ's was the Philippian church, was other believers. The basic teaching here is that if we have the mind of Christ like Timothy, we will seek the things of Christ. As we read in chapter 2, verse 15, when we seek the things of Christ by His Spirit in us, we will shine as lights in the world, but also shine as lights of encouragement to one another. Do you have a godly example in your life? One who always exhorts and motivates you in the faith? One who does not draw attention to themselves, but to Christ? These people are so wonderful to have around. But, as Paul mentions, there are not very many of them. I have no one except Timothy, because the others seek their own interests. Now, Paul is talking about the people around him in Rome. He's not talking about the other apostles. He's talking about the people in Rome of which only Timothy was there. We live in a culture of self. Self Self-love, self-help, self-this, self-that. I read a quote the other day that said, put yourself at the top of your to-do list. Another one I read was, if you have the ability to love, love yourself first. Yet, that is the message that this world is celebrating. This is so contradictory to the Christian life, isn't it? When Paul says, esteem others better than yourself... 
But how often do you and do I think with this mindset of self? This, mental, this mentality of self-love, how has it affected you? Have you ever said this? Who's helping me? Who's building me up? Who is putting into my life? Do we be complain because no one is seeking to put into my life? Always wondering what people will do for me. Well, let, let's try to think of this in another way. I want to ask you this question. What did you do for Christ? Nothing. Yet He did everything for you and for me. Love compelled Him. What about Timothy? What did the Philippians do for Timothy? We don't know. Doesn't, as the text says, not, we don't know of anything. Yet, he cared for them and was anxious about their welfare because he had the love of Christ. We can ask, and fairly, we can ask fairly, do we have anyone around us who can build us up in Christ? That's a good question to ask. Godly Christian friends are a blessing, a wonderful gift. But let us first ask this, am I one? Am I one? Am I a friend to this brother or this sister? I challenge you to ask yourself, do you seek the things of Jesus or are you too busy with your own concerns? Am I one who my pastor can call on to go and care for a brother or a sister? What am I doing, whether young or old, for my church? Am I involved in my church? Or do I come here on Sunday, sit in the pew as soon as the benediction is, I'm right out that door. I recorded the ball game yesterday. I got to watch it. Too many relationships in the church are ruined because we are too busy seeking our own agenda. Timothy is one who truly sought the Philippians' welfare because interests were on those who are Christ's. And not just serving merely out of duty, but out of Christ-like love. He had proven his character that as a son with his father, he served with Paul in the gospel. Timothy proved his love for Christ and his desire to serve alongside Paul as a father with his son. In the Old Testament, a rabbi would call his pupil his son. Paul had taught Timothy in the ways of God as a father to a son. And so in saying this, Paul is implying a personal relationship between two men as they serve alongside each other for the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. The picture here is 
I was thinking, my son Malachi is at that stage where he's copying almost everything I do. I sit down, he sits down. And that, I'm sure, will only grow. But that's the picture in a small way. Everything Christ does, we imitate. Everything Paul did, Timothy was right there with him. Timothy served alongside Paul with the faithfulness and affection of a son to a father. And that brought him to some rough places. He suffered alongside Paul in Paul's sufferings. But he was committed to the gospel. As Christ served the Father in coming to earth to teach us the way of salvation in Him, as Christ obeyed the Father's will even to death on a cross, so in a small way, Timothy has faithfully given himself up to gospel work. He left his friends and his family to advance the kingdom of God. Will our, yours and my character, be proven to be a faithful servant of the gospel? Is this our desire to have others know Christ? Spread the wonder that it is to be a Christian, faithful servants always pointing to our Lord and Savior. I think of Paul's frequent thought throughout the letter of Philippians, but also many other of his letters, to the day of Jesus Christ. The final day, the day of Jesus Christ. On that day will my character be proven worthy of the gospel. Notice Paul doesn't say servants' deeds. He says servants' character. Jeremiah Burroughs said, In the day of Jesus Christ, when we come to the gates of heaven, and Jesus says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. He does not say this by what work men or women have done, but by their faithfulness, what their faithfulness has been. I say, the Lord does not so much look at the work that is done, as at the faithfulness of our hearts in doing it. Timothy had been tried and tested with the sufferings alongside Paul. He had gone through them, and his character of a faithful servant had been proven, just as Christ's faithful love for us and obedience to the Father's will was proven in his death and resurrection. And so Paul says, therefore I hope to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. But until then, Paul brings us to verse 25. He's going to send immediately Epaphroditus. Verse 25 says, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Epaphroditus is also one who has given himself, quite literally, as we'll see, for the kingdom of God and the upbuilding of the church in Philippi. Paul commends Epaphroditus as a brother, a fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Paul has a companion 
in his ministry. Like Timothy, Epaphroditus has the same heart for missions that Paul does. The same Christ-like mindedness. He is, Epaphroditus is willing and ready to work for the upbuilding of the church and to be a companion in labor even through adversity. The word here for fellow soldier is fellow struggler. A struggling for the gospel advancement. A struggling in the life of faith. Epaphroditus went, underwent great hardships along with Paul for the church. Well, in what way, though, did he do this? As it says in verse 25, by being a messenger. By being a messenger. We communicate today by the Facebook app, Messenger, and it gives our, brings our communication in seconds to the other part of the world. But back then, the only way to bring news or to bring the inspired letters to the churches was through a messenger. And this was no easy task. It was often very risky. There was always danger of being robbed. There was danger of of getting um, getting a disease on the road. But Epaphroditus takes these risks and goes. Paul in 2 Corinthians 8.23 comments on the importance of messengers. He says, As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. They are sent with letters which build up the church, the glory of Christ. Through the messenger Epaphroditus, Paul was encouraged, and the church could rejoice, as we see in 28, because of his work. For the church. Paul, uh, Epaphroditus, was no pastor. He was no apostle. He was a messenger. And this goes to show that to be an example of Christ's likeness, we do not need to be a pastor or even an elder or a deacon. Gospel work is not only for church leadership, but for every Christian. Whether you are a garbage man or a CEO of a big corporation, you are called to be Christ-like-minded. To go and do the work of the church, even at the risk of your own life. At the risk, maybe not of our own life, but at the risk of maybe our businesses. There might be a time coming, and very soon... Those who of us who are business, uh, have businesses that the government is going to tell us to close down if we do not agree with the status quo. What are we going to do? So Paul commends Epaphroditus for his desire to bless Paul, and he thus sends Epaphroditus back immediately with this letter in hand to Philippi to encourage them. But Epaphroditus is also a walking testimony of the mercy of God. Epaphroditus was willing to give up what he was doing and go minister to Paul. But on his travels, he became sick. So sick, he was near unto death. Verse 26. But, verse 27, For indeed he was sick, almost unto death, 
But God had mercy on him. He survived. Epaphroditus is an example of the mercy God shows to his faithful servants. That even though Christians suffer in the work of Christ, even though Christians may suffer loss bearing the name of Christ, Christ never leaves them nor forsakes them. God will preserve His people. This was very important for the Philippians to hear because they were becoming discouraged, remember, and losing joy in their faith because of suffering. They were starting to argue. They were were taking their mind off of Christ and putting it upon their situation. But in Epaphroditus, God shows that He strengthens those who suffer. Do not lose heart. Do not complain or argue. Trust God's mercy. Our Old Testament reading was from Deuteronomy chapter 3, which Paul quotes in verse 15 of chapter 2. Crooked and perverse generation. Moses calls the people of Israel this because they complained to God, lost sight of what God had done in bringing them out of Egypt. Six weeks. Six weeks from the miraculous events of the Exodus, they grumble to God because they are hungry. And so, Paul warns, in verse 15, warns the Philippians, do not grumble and complain. Look at the mercy God has had upon you. And so, in, ver- in chapter 30 th- 32 of Deuteronomy, and verse 36 in that chapter, we read this. For the Lord will vindicate His people and have compassion on His servants when He sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free. This was certainly true for Epaphroditus. As a servant in himself, he was weak to the point of death. But God saw saw him in his weak state, and had mercy on him. Paul, wanting the Philippians to see this power of God's mercy, maybe was also thinking of chapter 32, verse 39, which reads, See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God beside me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Epaphroditus was in God's hands. And Paul is saying to the Philippians, So are you. So are you. Trust him. And so Paul sends Epaphroditus back with a story that will encourage them. That will make them rejoice in the mercy of God. And so, in verse 29, Paul says, Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness. But then, he says this, And hold such men in esteem. Not because he nearly died, but because he, like Christ, regarded not his life in order for the work of Christ. 
He not only got sick in the line of duty, but carried on while sick, getting sicker to complete his mission. So by the time he got to Rome with the gift that the Philippians prepared for him, as we read of in chapter 4, he was almost dead. But he kept on. He had to complete his mission. Here was a man who had sacrificed and denied himself for the work of Christ. And so Paul says, yes, I will eventually send Timothy when as soon as I see how it will go with me. You know his proven character, but first I am sending to you Epaphroditus who has also proven his character in willingly giving himself for the work of Christ, even to the point of death. And this congregation is an example of our Lord and Savior, isn't it? Christ actually died. He fully gave His life to bring us salvation. He endured the pain, took upon the wrath of God for sin, and died for you and me so that we could, in Paul's words, receive Him and esteem Him as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords, that He could be in us the hope of glory. And so here are two men in whom the Gospel has taken root and borne fruit. Two men whom the Spirit opened their eyes to to clearly understand the love of Jesus. Timothy and Epaphroditus, upon seeing this gospel grace, believed and trusted in Jesus as their Savior. And out of the gratitude for their salvation, their life's goal was to live for Him wholeheartedly. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. To give yourself as a living sacrifice. Christ's love compelled them to work His love out. They were not super-Christians. They were no different than you or me. They were just men. There was no secret formula to their service. It was God's mercy. It was God in them, working in them both to will and to do for His good pleasure. The Spirit of Christ gave them the strength to believe and be obedient and faithful to the words of Luke 10, 37. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Paul is not calling for great acts of heroism. Maybe you remember a couple of years ago on Facebook, there was this, these meme things going around that said this, Bob, some things like this, Bob does not litter. Be like Bob. Sally doesn't ridicule. Be like Sally. It was all over the place. This is not what's happening in our text. Paul's not saying, Timothy and Epaphroditus did great works. Be like Timothy and Epaphroditus. No. What he's saying is, Timothy and Epaphroditus Our Christ-like examples be like Christ. The focus of this verse is not look at what they did, 
but look at what God has done in them. Be filled with joy because that is what God is doing in you. Paul and Timothy, Epaphroditus, they are all saved by the faithful, never-ending love and mercy of God. Everything they did were reflections of Christ's superior love in them. And it is the same mercy and love that brought you here this afternoon to partake of the Holy Supper, to partake of God's mercy. Do this in remembrance of me. And now I am in you. Christ on that final day will welcome us into heaven, not because of our work, but because of His. And His mercy will keep you and me faithful until that time. Paul wants the Philippians to come to that day of Jesus rejoicing because they were counted worthy to give their lives as a sacrifice to God. Whether you were a mother in a kitchen, whether you were a man on a job site, or a child in third grade, you can be an example of Christ's sacrificial love. Paul's greatest joy in life was to go out into the nations to tell people of the love of Christ. And his great joy in death was being able to see Christ and worship and glorify Him in person. To glorify the Savior is our mandate. This is what it means to be a Christian. As John Piper's poem said it, the heart of every aim. Hallowed be thy name. Nearing death, the final whisper, gain. Gain. And that is what awaits us, those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, And if you are here this afternoon and do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, come, ask Him into your heart. He will by no means cast you out. Just the opposite. He will indwell you and mold you into a vessel of honorable use, perfecting you until you come to that final day to worship God. For eternity. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your divine love, your great grace, that you are in us, spreading your kingdom here in Halifax in Ontario, in South Korea, and all over the world. You are making your name great. And one day when every knee will bow and tongue confess that you are Lord, 
you will be glorified by every living thing. We long for that day. I pray, O Lord, you'd help us now to go out by faith, believing in the strength of your Spirit in us, to, Lord, make disciples. Strengthen us to go out and bear this name. Be lights. Love our brothers and sisters. Show the world around us that we are blameless, gentle, and full of hope. For we know our inheritance is in heaven. Bless us now as we go into this week. In Jesus' name, amen. By faith, so receive now the blessing of the Lord. May your love abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen.